Over the last few months, South Africans have been digesting the impact of state-owned companies on the economy. It's estimated problems at Transnet and ESCOM alone slashed GDP by 10% in 2022, and 2023 will perhaps be marginally better. South Africa has a state-owned company problem, and it's not easy to fix because it needs massive amounts of capital in infrastructure alone. That, in turn, has impacted the financials of private sector companies, such as in the retail sector, which have had to dole out billions in additional energy costs to keep the lights on and the fridges running. That said, there are opportunities for investors if you look in the right places. Well, to help us understand this better, we're joined by AJ Snayman, who is an investment analyst at Peregrine Capital. Hi, AJ. Thanks for joining us. Can you provide an overview of the current economic landscape in South Africa and the challenges facing the country, particularly in the state-owned companies? Hi, Kieran. It's great to be talking to you. And um, yeah, it's, I hope all the listeners find value out of this. So as you rightly pointed out, South Africa is currently in the, in the middle of a storm, to put it mildly. And whether it is ESCOM or Transnet, the Rand dollar and the oil price together creating fears around inflation and further interest rate hikes, whether it is SARS under-recovering on tax revenue because of Transnet, whether it is the elections coming up next year, the point is that there is more than enough to, to keep us occupied and, and awake at night. But we think that if there ever was one topic that occupies the minds and of all people and dominate the conversations of the bri, it is that of load shedding. And so whether you're a business, a household, politician or the average Joe on the street, nobody can escape the effects of load shedding. And um, I guess a question we get asked a lot as Peregrine Capital is that how can we continue to invest in companies in the JSE that has a significant exposure to to load shedding? Um, and it's a very fair and valid question. And I guess to unpack that, we first need to take a step back and reassess where we've come from and where we are at the moment. And at the very essence, the issue of load shedding boils down to years and years of lack of maintenance and corruption, which has seriously impeded the ability of ESCOM to to produce electricity. And that is shown in the uh, energy availability factor. And as we all know, that's been trending downwards for a number of years. Thus has brought us to a situation where over the last couple of months, we've faced stages five to six load shedding more often because while the remaining power stations had to pick up the slack and work harder for longer. Um, And this, as you've also alluded to, have led to massive devastation across the the private sector for businesses who heavily depend on electricity to function. So that's sort of ESCOM, and we can maybe later on touch on our view and how we think it plays out from here. Um, But the other big elephant in the room is Transnet, which has seriously gone off the rails to, um, well, excuse the pun. The inability of Transnet to function properly is costing the economy dearly, and it's basically one billion rand a day dearly to be more precise. And um, as with many stories, you know, there, there can be three sides to it, mine, yours, and the truth. And if you ask management, they would blame it on Chinese locomotives and the lack of availability of spare parts. However, the truth is that Transnet is where it is because of poor track uh, equipment and maintenance. We've seen years and years of underinvestment in the rail infrastructure, which has led, led to a series of derailments. There's been a massive loss of skills uh, or scares and critical skills due to voluntary severance programs that, that they've run. Senior management don't have proper rail experience. Um, there's also a lot of operational inefficiencies. And from what we understand, the coal rail line, the scheduling of the trains is still run or done manually on Excel of all things. <laughs> Can you believe it? Um, and then over and above that, you have a balance sheet that is hamstrung by 130 billion rands worth of debt, which basically prevents them from 
investing sufficiently in the rail infrastructure. But we can unpack, but we also think that there, there are signs of improvement to, to show that Transnet is getting back on track. But those sort of contextualizers, the two main issues that the economy and the companies that we invest in face at the moment being ESCOM and Transnet. Yeah, and it's become evident that Transnet is shipping volumes now that we last shipped at the end of the Second World War, about 52 million tons a year. It's a topic of concern. I mean, it, it, these are the, the main choke points for the South African economy. But let's just pivot now to investing. How does this impact investing from your point of view? Correct. As I alluded to, speaking about ESCOM, is that all companies in SA have been impacted. And for a company like Astral, for instance, the, the chicken producer, we all know very well, load shedding or the direct cost of load shedding, not even the indirect cost of load shedding, have wiped out more than 100% of their operating profit in the 2023 financial year. So not only do they have to burn diesel to keep things going, but in their specific case, they also had a backlog on slaughtering chickens. And well, when they keep the chickens alive for longer, you have to feed them. That drives up your feed cost. Because of load shedding, there were various inefficiencies of labor and various different, uh, or there to uh, reschedule their shifts to work around load shedding, which increased the labor cost. So overall, it was just, devastating and you've also pointed it out that guys like pick and pay and ShopRite are spending billions of rands on load shedding so it's definitely having a devastating impact and on the transnet side it's similar where it's mostly impacting the industrial and mining companies because mines need to get their raw materials to the port and to export it to earn revenue and um, well commodity exports is a, a valuable source of foreign exchange for south africa and also these miners are a big source of tax revenue for, for the country itself. So we desperately need these two entities to function properly. Okay, so in the midst of these challenges, are there any signs of improvement? Are there any positive developments that suggest a way forward for the South African economy? We at Peregrine Capital have had this view for the past year almost that specifically around load sharing, and I'll talk about Transnet in a moment, but there is real tangible evidence that load shedding will not only drastically reduce, but will be something of the distant past, maybe in the next 12, maximum 18 months from now. And there are three reasons why we believe so. The first of all is the power of incentives. Secondly, we believe that there's multiple sources of supply that will come online. And then thirdly, just the cold hard facts around both of these two. So firstly, is that for the first time in a long time, we have the public sector, private sector and labor being united and incentives aligned on this topic of load sharing because the public sector has come to realize that the main variable that will determine whether and where people will cast their vote next year in the elections is load sharing and the biggest loser is the ruling party. So they've come to realize what threat load sharing poses to their dominance or their political power. On the other hand, the private sector has also come to the realization that nobody is going to come to their rescue and they have to take matters in their own hands. And therefore, we've seen the private sector step up and, and invest. And then lastly, Labour has also realized that we can't continue in the way we have in the past because, well, the alternative is, is job losses. So for the first time, you have all three of these bodies united and aligned on the topic of load shedding. And then secondly, cold hard facts around capacity is coming online. Well, first of all, multiple units at Madupi and Kusile will come back online as soon as the end of this year. And in fact, we've already seen two out of 
the four units that weren't working at Kusile already come back online two months ahead of schedule. And the other two will probably come back online before the end of this year. And each unit will probably add around 800 megawatts, which collectively will probably reduce load shedding by almost three stages alone. We've heard yesterday that Madupi or the unit at Madupi that was out of service will return back to service a few months ahead of schedule, most likely towards the middle or end of second quarter next year, which is very welcome news. And then over and above ESCOM sorting out their own supply, there is the fact that rooftop solar will add two to 3,000 megawatts of capacity this year as per the presidency. And then we also have large-scale private sector projects that will add 1,300 megawatts this year, and this will scale to 3,000 megawatts next year and even more beyond. So there's sufficient evidence to suggest that through a combination of private sector investment and ESCOM improving maintenance and bringing units back online, that we will have north of three to 5,000 megawatts of either supply coming online or demand being reduced through things like rooftop solar over the next year, which mean that, means that we think load shedding will not only drastically reduce, but it will be something of the past if we look out a year from now. And then on Transnet specifically, even though the situation currently looks dire, we think there are a combination of things that could be done to improve Transnet and put it back on track. So the first of all is that there needs to be a serious change in senior management. And fortunately, we have started to see the wheels turn in this regard with Transnet's CEO and CFO both resigning, for lack of a better word, and um, Transnet's CEO of rail also resigning. And there was a senior individual on the Transnet coal rail line, which also resigned, uh, I think, last week. So there's decisive action being taken in that regard. Secondly, the balance sheet needs to be recapitalized. And once that is done, it will allow Transnet to invest appropriately and sufficiently behind the rail infrastructure. And then we also believe that there's merit in privatizing key elements of Transnet. And while the government also seems to think that way, the presidency reported on this about, I think, two, three weeks ago, that they also believe that there's merit in in privatizing some elements of Transnet. And in doing so, that should also in itself sort out many of the key operational issues that Transnet faces. So collectively, we think there is good traction being made in sorting out load shedding. And the wheels are also starting to turn in getting Transnet back on track. So at Peregrine, you are a hedge fund, so you are, you're prepared to take positions whether they're long or short. Uh, even bad news can be good for investing in the style of investing that you do. Where do you see opportunities in all of this? Yeah, correct. So I guess in environments like these where there's uncertainty and volatility, there will inevitably be some companies who are better equipped to deal with the current circumstances and who will perform better than other companies. And if you have the right tools, you are able to exploit this difference in performance. And we believe that hedge funds have such tools. And one of these tools is the ability to do short selling. And short selling is just like any other tool in in that it has many different roles and functions that it can fulfill. And one of these functions is the ability to do pair trades, where you would buy the shares of one company and sell or short the shares of another company against this. And the reason you would do this is to take advantage of the relative difference in performance between two companies without having to take a view on whether the overall market is going up or down. And as you put it, you can make money even when the market goes down or regardless whether the market goes up or down. And more often than not, you would do these pair trades between companies within the same sector because, well, companies in the same sector are influenced by the same external factors. 
an example of uh, such a pair trade and where this has worked out nicely is in the food retail space where our three dominant food retailers in South Africa are ShopRite, Bicampay and Spa. And all these three food retailers, they face the same consumer, they operate in the same inflationary environment, and they all face load shedding. But despite this, ShopRite operates on margins nearly double that of their competitors. And we think it is clear that ShopRite's scale advantages, the fact that they have scale means that they have better negotiation power with food producers like your Tiger Brands and your AVI, which in turn means that they can take more volume from them. And if they can negotiate better prices from them, they can pass that on to consumers and lower prices, which means they gain more volumes through their sales, which in turn means that they have better negotiation power again with the food producers. So all of this is sort of a flywheel effect which has led to a situation where ShopRite has margins almost double that of their competitors. And if you are a pay or a competitor and your margins are almost half that of the market leader, it's very, very hard for you to beat them at their own game. In other words, you can't really afford to lower prices to gain volumes because, well, you don't have any margin to play with. So that's just an interesting case study and scenario of where you can use the hedge fund toolkit to take advantage of the relative difference in performance that emerged in this environment where we have load shedding and high input cost and the impact that it had on retailers. But over and above that, if you just look at the, the overall uh, forward PE ratios or, or ratings of South African retailers and banks, for instance, compared to, to some of the global peers and global stocks, there's a stark, stark difference in, in valuation. And even in, in specifically in South Africa's small and mid-cap sector, if you look at companies like Motus, Invicta, Zorgo Sun, famous brands, just to name a few, Many of these companies traded forward PE ratios of four to six times at discounts of 30, 50% plus to the historical ratings. And many of these companies have sound balance sheets. They have the ability to generate cash and they should be able to weather the next 12 to 18 months, the storm that we're currently in. So we think that specifically in that small and mid cap space, there are many companies that trade at very, very attractive multiples that should um, reward you handsomely, specifically if you take into account our view on how load shedding, for instance, will be sorted out in the next year or so. All right, let's just talk now about how investors can benefit from this, given this very difficult economic environment that we've been talking about. How do they position themselves? What should they consider when investing? Yeah, that is a fascinating, interesting question, and I guess a question that has multifaceted answers. So we as Peregrine Capital are currently running a high allocation to cash to take advantage of any opportunities that might emerge, considering the fact that we think it is a highly volatile and uncertain environment. But that being said, we believe, as I've just pointed out, that there are many attractively valued businesses out there in South Africa. And, you know, in the end of the day, trees don't grow to the sky and things don't go to zero, which basically means that at extreme points and when things are doom and gloom, people tend to extrapolate and assume that certain trends will carry on and exist into the future. And more often than not, things aren't as bad or as good as they seem and they appear. And I guess we as investors, we've come to the conclusion that Amidst the current storms of Africa, there is rays of sunshine and rays of hope. And well, as I've pointed out, many companies in South Africa are value, valued fairly and, and cheaply. But over and above that, we also believe that there's value in long-term dollar and pound bonds. We believe that will act as a hedge against a possible global recession, because if the US and the UK and the Europe markets uh, and the economy start to crack, it means inflation expectations should come down and these bonds will do fairly well. So that can act as a hedge against inflation. So, yeah, in summary, I would say, well, fairly 
cautiously positioned with selective opportunities in South Africa with uh, where valuations are very attractive. Also having exposure to long-term dollar and pound bonds, whilst also having put option protection on, on the overall portfolio. AJ Snayman, investment analyst at Peregrine Capital. Thanks very much for joining us. Great. Thank you, Kieran. It was, it was great chatting to you.